Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Yeah, I'm just going to be a dad today. It's, an, it's another day in paradise. It is. I'm better than I was yesterday. <laughs> Are you better than you deserve? Better than I deserve. <laughs> you know? That's good. How about you? I'm I'm doing great, actually. Yeah, you're I, not a dad. I'm it. not a dad. Yeah, that's not so, why I'm doing great. So you're doing great. No, I'm I'm. Uh, there's a hole in my life that needs fulfillment, and I fill it with uh, the hatred and vitriol that comes along with talking about <laughs> politics. And that is how I yeah. drive meaning and purpose in my life is by this uh, mythical idea that I'm somehow going to help save the planet. Uh, yeah, from its own that annihilation is a mythical idea for sure. Uh, speaking of saving the planet from its own annihilation, what did we do yesterday? We went and saw uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. Did you like it? I did. I did. It was. It was. It was a good movie. I I, I also enjoyed it. I will say it got a little slow towards the end. It did. And I understand they had to explain a lot of things, but I feel like we could have cut to the chase a little bit on some of that. I would have rather. I. Not for any spoilers or anything, but where we arrived at the very end of the movie, I would have rather they timed that out with the creation of the bomb and everything working uh, to where you had the the bomb climax. Spoiler alert: the project goes fine. Yeah. Okay. If mm-hmm. you've if you've never looked at the History Channel or anything like that, no, the project went fine. Okay. So if they would have timed out the successful test of the bomb with the actual ending of the movie. Because they were cutting back and forth between these things the whole time, like like Christopher Nolan likes to do, that would have been a lot better. You would have had all of that resolve at the at the same time. Instead, what we got was like another hour after what felt like the climax of the movie, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, how far into this are we gonna go? 
that was still cool. Like it, it, it was great, but it, it did seem to go a little yeah. long in the tooth, as they used to say. Yeah. But the music and they, and Iron Man was good in it. <laughs> That's his official name. It was about two hours into the movie. Charlie leans over and goes, Is "That Iron Man." <laughs> Like, yes, freaking Robert Downey Jr. has been staring you in the face. Tony on IMAX Stark screen is right there. Yeah, it's Tony Stark. Yes, that's who it was. <laughs> okay, because I was like, I know this guy, mm-hmm. you know, but I couldn't figure it out for a while. They, it's, it's makeup, and, yeah. and, and now the, the good news is we do. didn't go down Nate's research rabbit hole of theaters to find the best <laughs> seats and the best everything that leads you down a 4dx path see yesterday's episode for yeah. details and so we actually saw we, we sat in a you know a smaller imax but mm-hmm. the sound was incredible it was in your face the like the chairs vibrated not because the chairs have vibrations built into them like a 4dx theater does it's mm-hmm. because that's how rumbling the sound was the sound was so loud it was so that good it was shaking you yes and that is what i you felt want. it in your chest mm-hmm you know, that's when you actually feel like you're a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought I was exploding <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. Uh, yeah. Overall, a good movie. Now, Charlie, let me ask you this. Are you, do you have any moral struggle, struggle, struggle? I struggle hard with it, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. What do you think about the bomb? Should we have dropped it? That's the debate that's starting to unfold right now. What would you have done? And if you would have been Oppenheimer, would you have felt bad and finished out your life talking about how we didn't need to build these things. I I try to be careful of judging the past by where I sit right now. I like that. Because it's so easy to look back and be like, well, you know, I would have made the right moral choice. Um, it puts you in an, in an elevated ego sense of you know better. Now... I do think we can reflect on the past and be like, okay, was that a good decision or not? Um, and I think that that's, that can be talked about and should be debated. Um, I, I kind of wish we would have never developed these weapons, but if America wouldn't have done it, they probably would have figured it out somewhere else. I mean, it was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, as, as science advanced as rapid as, you know, as rapidly as it did in the last hundred years, I, I think, Obviously, the splitting of atoms or the fusion of atoms now, um, those -hmm. things, somebody would have been like, oh, we can make a weapon out of this, obviously. Just like they did with all the other chemistry and uh, physicist experiments that they turned into other weapons, you know? Mm -hmm. And what did he say? I I didn't know this, but um, was it Nobel who invented dynamite? Mm -hmm. Alfred Nobel. Yeah, and I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't look it up, but that's what they said in the movie. It's true. So, you know... it. I feel like it was going to happen regardless. And I can't say like, if I was, I've been, you know, Oppenheimer, I would have made this decision because I'm somehow morally superior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a dangerous game to play because we can sit here in our chairs in 2023 <laughs> and look back to 1942 and think that we would have done a better job. I have no idea. Also, I'm not as smart as that guy. No, so, definitely not. Am I, um, Listen, inevitably, people are going to make nukes. That's that's going to happen. And I hate that argument because it's like, well, they're going to do it, so we have to do it. And that argument, it it does suck, uh, but it is true. People are going to make those nukes. And 
My biggest problem is I think they could have tested the they could have tested the atomic bomb on a smaller area, like a less populated area, and been like, "Hey, Japan guy, I can call him that." You yeah, because I mean, look at my face. Um, I uh, I can call him that. Um, go out there to that field, right there, and go go to that mountain and look over there, and uh, I want to show you what we got. And mm -hmm. you show the guy, and he's like says something in Japanese to the effect of I surrender. Holy crap. Yeah. I give up. And um you just drop the sun. You'd be like, yeah, here comes the sun. And then <laughs> you play that song in the background for them, even though it, even though it hasn't been uh written yet. And then you're like, okay, do you surrender? And they say no. And so you drop another one. You're like, we got like a hundred of these things, man. You know, they only had two. They probably told them they have way more. Um and then maybe they surrender and you don't have to kill like 200,000 people. It was like a quarter of a million people. You know, innocent people who weren't fighting for Japan. Not saying that they wouldn't have fought when we invaded Japan and they wouldn't have defended themselves uh, from a foreign invader or whatever. Uh, but that's what I would try first. But of course, that's me trying to go back and change history because yeah. I know better or whatever. Well, I would, I mean, I default on the side of not going to war or trying to end things in a more peaceful manner, you know, like is killing 250,000 Japanese people justification or is it justified because, you know, 3000 people were killed in, at Pearl Harbor. So we got, we got to kill a hundred times more. Now the, the only and this is a tough one because we're talking completely hypothetically here. But one of the ideas is that this would stop all the future world wars. Now, remember at that time we had World War One, and then we had World War Two, and tons of people died. Lots of people died in those wars. You know, lost a lot of good men out there. And, uh, and then they dropped these and we do kind of have a period of relative peace compared to the world wars that have been going on. Although... The public thought it was peaceful. There yeah. was a long Cold War with Russia. We had, we had Vietnam. There's the Korea there was, stuff. There's, you know, we have all our wars. Yeah, but from the 60s to the 90s, I mean, there's 30 years there where the people were close to pressing the button. Yeah. A lot closer than people knew about. I'm just wondering if... Which could have ignited the atmosphere. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if mutually assured destruction actually has saved millions of people's lives. We'll never know. I, we have I no idea. I, okay, I do think that there is peace and strength. I do think that. I think that even for your personal life, I mean, and this is something Jordan Peterson talks about, is being nice or passive is not a virtue, right? But being a monster and then choosing, being capable of being a monster and choosing not to be a monster, that's what's actually virtuous. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is... I think there is some of that sentiment. I mean, I wish it, I wish they weren't created. I, you know, I don't like human beings dying, but at the same time, I also can understand that there can be peace through strength. I don't think we need to kill a bunch of innocent people to prove that. I think we could have found another way of proving it. Yes, I, I do. All right, let's get into a couple of the, um, stories. but I'm, you know, I'm against war overall. I'm against death. The moral of the story is, when uh, when uh, Harry Truman's been drinking, <laughs> you don't you don't laugh with him. 
All right. Yeah. No, sorry, you have to go look up Norm McDonald's Dirty Johnny joke. One of my favorites mm-hmm. of all time. I did. I did find it interesting his personal life and oh yeah, all the things that yeah. happened there. So that was pretty interesting. I watched a fact versus fiction thing this morning to see, and it seems like they got a lot of things correct. Yeah. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, go watch the movie. Just be prepared for the last hour to feel a bit slow. But I will tell you you still come away feeling like it was a good movie if you like Christopher Nolan-type movies, uh, of which Charlie and I both do, except for Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> except for except for Dunkirk. <laughs> that is the uh, the rule. Yeah. I just, I do, I do really like the cinematography and, and the way that he, you know, directs these films along with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives, I don't know, it's a, it's a powerful experience. He's and one I, of the... I remember, like, The Dark Knight... And, you know, others that he's done, it, it, I don't know if for some reason it actually gives you like that movie experience that you don't get at other movies. He's one of those people where, uh, you don't normally pay a ton of attention to who the director is of a movie. You know, it's not like, Oh, there's a new whoever, like who Top Gun was a big movie. Who directed Top Gun? Can you tell me? I have no idea. No idea at all. Uh, just went and saw Mission Impossible 7. I don't know. Maybe J.J. Abrams had something to do with it. There were a lot of lens flares around, uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, he might have had something to do with it. Yeah. And so he's one of those people where it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan has a movie coming out. It's like an event mm-hmm. that we all wait for every couple of years. There's a there's a Christopher Nolan movie coming out, and yeah. we're going to go see it. So I'm excited. Anytime that happens, I go I, see- I think like an 80s, 90s Spielberg, you're right, Councilman. I, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And um, I'll, I go see any movie that he has because it's a Christopher Nolan movie, and I go see it. I don't even care what it's going to be. He can make Barbie too, and I'm going to go see it. A lot of people are you know? obsessed with, um, you know, the guy who did Django and, and Kill Bill. Oh, that guy. What's it guy? Ah, man, I hate so that guy's the, thing. the reason why I said that is because I can't remember that his guy's, name at the What's moment? that guy's name? M. Night Shyamalan. No, no. That's, <laughs> that used to be one that you pay attention to. Um, What's the guy's name? Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. And then yeah. Martin, Martin Scorsese is another one um, yeah. that that people are like that with. Uh, so there's those directors. I do like Tarantino movies just because they're uh, like they're so awkward in some things. They're very like, unique. Yes. Like some of the sharp cuts, and then he mm-hmm. puts the big, giant pink letters on the on the film. Yeah, Pulp Fiction was good. Um, Django was good. I thought Django was a really good movie. I've never seen it. Really? No. That was really good. Oh, hadn't seen it. Looked racist to me. <laughs> couldn't I mean, Couldn't do it, you know? There's racism in there. I didn't want to be labeled racist. There's slavery in you there, know? that's for sure. Hey, uh, let's talk about... A, Glorious Bastards, that was a good one. That was a good one. Who was, yeah. who was that's that? That's Tarantino. Okay, that was a good one. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Nazis. <laughs> Man. Brad Pitt is just a, I was going to say curse words, but I'm not going to right now. Okay, political things that we're going to talk about. Charlie, there could be an impeachment incoming for Joseph R. Biden, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to see what happens when this guy testified. Devin Archer, a former business partner uh, of Hunter Biden, expecting to uh, describe the alleged damning calls involving the president at an upcoming hearing of the House Oversight Committee. Now, the president, Joseph R. Biden, has said several times that he had nothing to do with his son's foreign business dealings, never talked to him about them at all. And it looks like 
there could be someone coming forward to testify that he did, in fact, have things to do. Listen, we all know that he had stuff to do. I think Hunter Biden was just working as a, a helper for his dad, going around collecting 10, 10% from people. Uh, that's that's what I think mm-hmm. was probably going on. That doesn't mean that I can prove that that's what was going on. Uh, but they finally released, uh, let's see, Archer's explosive anticipated testimony comes on the heels of last week's release of an FBI informant file that said Hunter and then pr- Vice President Joe Biden coerced a Ukrainian oligarch to pay $10 million in bribes to dodge a corruption probe. Uh, so we all remember that one. And they had an FBI informant come forward. And of course, we never really heard about that. And they didn't do much investigating on that. We're going right? to impeach every president from here on out. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. And they might all deserve it. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they didn't. Except for, you know, the stuff they impeached Trump for. They could have um, impeached them for all kinds of stuff. You know, impeach someone for because they like uh, killed a civilian that uh, was innocent overseas. Like they murdered someone. Unauthorized war crimes. Yes. Uh, there's an impeachable. Impeach them because they forcefully stole people at the stole money from people at the threat of death, you know, through the barrel of a gun. Uh, but unfortunately, I guess they're authorized to do that. But no, they impeached him because he tried to look into this whole biden corruption thing in ukraine you know and he has to look into why this prosecutor this person who was investigating burisma uh, was fired and which biden was boasting about saying that well he was a corrupt guy you know we were going to give them foreign aid money and we had to make sure they get rid of these corrupt guys well that corrupt guy also happened to be investigating burisma who was clearly tied to Hunter Biden and the Bidens, and that guy's gone. And Trump tries to look into that, and they impeach him for it. That's kind of weird. Seems a little sus, in my opinion. And then they impeach him over the January 6th thing, which is total BS. Like, they just, that was just a virtue. That was a virtue impeachment that they were trying to do uh, right then. So um, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to get a Joe Biden impeachment trial before the election? I don't know. Because I, you see, that worries me. Not that I really care that much about all this stuff, except for it is a part of our daily lives, I guess. Um, if they tried to impeach him, I'm worried that that's actually going to help Joe Biden in the same way that, you know, th- these things all tend to have the opposite effect on people's fan bases. Although it didn't seem to help Trump win. No, didn't help him win. It, it could have. I mean, I think all these investigations right now are one of the reasons he's still so popular. People feel like he's uh, getting persecuted. Yeah, you know they want to they want to support him. He's a martyr for the cause of liberty. Apparently, somehow Donald Trump became that person. I yeah. don't know. I mean, we all knew that there was. Well, we all knew and could speculate that there. Well, with any high level politician, there's dirty games being played in mm-hmm. the background. And so, look if you've got the if you got the evidence, I say bring it forward. Let's tell the truth. Let's change our whole society over to truth-telling. Wouldn't that be something? That would be fine. Like, where you worry about someone having a corrupt past means that they're going to get impeached, and so we just stop putting super corrupt people in those places of power because it turns out we're just going to impeach people if there's any dirt Yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do it. I'm, let's agree. Let's agree to do that all the time. I was going to play a clip of uh, this guy talking, but I don't want to. So let's go on to this. Oh, God. Because that guy talking doesn't matter. Um, good news here. It's not Wednesday, uh, Charlie, but it, uh, this is a story about we're winning Okay, right now. Here you go. It's from the Washington Post. 
IRS, IRS says agents will no longer knock on taxpayers' doors unannounced. Uh, Internal Revenue Service agents will no longer make unannounced visits to taxpayers' homes, the agency said Monday, in a policy shift meant to protect employees' safety amid concerns about potentially irate taxpayers answering the door. (laughs) Since at least the 1950s, revenue agents have knocked on tens of thousands of taxpayers' doors each year, according to agency staff. The new policy will reduce these visits to no more than 500 per year and only under unusual circumstances. Instead of making house calls to taxpayers who have ignored overdue tax notices in the mail, the agency will send letters that instruct taxpayers to schedule a visit with a revenue officer. That's just like going to the doctor. Yeah, that's you know? pretty good. Call, call the office. Schedule your next checkup. Can't wait. <laughs> Safety concerns have long <coughs> dogged the door knockers. More than 30 years ago, the IRS uh, said agents were assaulted hundreds of times in a year, making them the most attacked federal law enforcement officers. It even told them they could use fake names for their own protection. Just like the tax collectors in the Bible times. (laughs) Just like Hated individuals. Uh, They knock on Jesus' door, he'd invite them in for dinner, man. Come on in. But recent rhetoric from Republicans opposed to last year's increase in IRS funding has raised more concerns about agents showing up an announced on citizens' doorsteps. Ending the door-knocking practice will help recruit tax experts to work for the agency. These are some of the hardest jobs in government. That was a pretty funny line. There is a better way of doing it, IRS spokesman Terry Lemons said. Now, I want you to look through all the jobs in government, Charlie. If we could get yeah. a list of government jobs. Now, there's too many for us to actually look through. But um, Millions. The IRS agent who goes to the door to tell you that you owe the government money. One of the hardest jobs out there. I know that you've... Yeah, uh, because you probably have like a moral conundrum when you go to bed at night. Yeah. Being like, I'm, I'm federally licensed to <clears throat> steal money from these people who tell me that if they pay their taxes, they won't be able to feed their children, and I don't care about their children. I know that you thought being a lower infantryman stirring a burning pile of shit with a stick. You can't Dang, say that word. I can't now say you're that. Have to, now you're going to have to bleep that out. I know. I can't say stick on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know that you thought that was one of the harder jobs. Yeah, to be a grunt. <laughs> In the government. Yeah. You know, cleaning someone's boot. With your tongue or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> You're not in the military. No. I don't know what they do. No, I don't know what they do in the military these days. These yeah. days they read about like a, a gender theory or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You got to pass your gender theory test mm-hmm. to be in the military. So um, anyhow, uh, I think I take this as a win. Or city man. sewer workers, you know. Listen, they just said that they're too scared to go to people's houses because people are too mad at them. Boom. Which proves that the federal government really doesn't have that much power. No. Screw these people, man. Yeah. Good. Good. Now, don't actually hurt them. Okay. That's not good. Not a good idea. Not advocating for any violence whatsoever. No. No violence. Go home. But (laughs) the installation of fear in these people's hearts? Hmm. Yes. That is what we got to do. All right, so good job. Just so you know, the union representing IRS employees pushed for the change. Now, why? Why would a government agency need a union to represent them 
to what argue against the government from paying them fairly and stuff? I mean, I don't know. Why would they need to be unionized? <laughs> they work for the government. You think that the government, being in public service like that, that there that would, wrote all the regulations yeah, and everything, there would be no problems when it comes to your mm. employment. That you, mm. you would only be treated the best. But it tends to be a lot of public workers are in unions actually because they've got the worst employer in the world. Yeah, which is the government. The last one here: the <clears> safety. <throat> Of IRS employees is of paramount importance, and this decision will help protect those whose jobs have only grown more dangerous in recent years because of false, inflammatory rhetoric about the agency and its workforce. <laughs> There's nothing... People lying about them out there. What is inflammatory about telling the truth? Like, Yeah, taxation is slavery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's theft. Yes. It's extortion. You're literally sending federal agents with guns to someone's house saying, you, I deserve to steal this money from you and you can do nothing about it. That's, that's literally just the truth. Now, typically I hear when they go to the house the first time to say, oh, hey, you owe us money. They don't have guns with them at that time. They're, they're happier, nicer people at that time. Later, when you don't pay them and they come to put you in a cage for a living, those people bring their guns with them. And uh, so that's not good. All right, uh, Charlie, we, this should be a dumb bleep submission, but it's too funny to not talk about today. Okay. And so I wanted to make fun of this. Researchers condemn the rise of fascist ideologues after students send mocking responses to an LGBTQ survey, which is fascist, just so you know. Of course. Academic researchers condemn students' irreverent and offensive responses to an LGBTQ survey, claiming the pushback indicates fascist ideologues are living inside the house of engineering and computer science. <laughs> it's really sad because these are supposed to be like the smart, logical, practical people out there. Mm -hmm. This is not good. In an article for the Bulletin of Applied Transgender Studies, <laughs> academic Academics from Oregon State University wrote about their shock at receiving sarcasm and mockery in response to their research into undergraduate LGBTQ students studying in STEM fields. The team claimed 50 of the 349 respondents to their questionnaire on the topic contained slurs, hate speech, direct targeting of the research team, or direct targeting of the research team, labeling them malicious respondents. They adapted their project to examine how the joke responses, quote, relate to engineering culture by framing them within larger social context, namely the rise of online fascism. Of course. Yeah. So they were trying to do research on LGBTQ people in the sim fields. They ended up switching their research to the fascists that made jokes and their responses mm -hmm. back to people. Uh, let's see. The result was a paper titled... Attack. The result was a paper titled Attack Helicopters and White Supremacy, Interpreting Malicious Responses to an Online Questionnaire about Transgender Undergraduate Engineering and Computer Science Student Experiences. <laughs> what a catchy title. Oh, it's a catchy title. The paper broke the responses down into themes like demographics, diversity, equity, and inclusion, gender anti-trans, anti-queer, racism, anti-Semitism, and online hate subculture references. 
Several, answer, several, several answers contain profanity and other offensive and obscene language, and many referenced memes. Oh, no. According to the article, when the malicious subjects were asked to fill out demographic data, 12 respondents indicated their gender as being related to <laughs> a helicopter or aircraft, ranging from an Apache helicopter to a V-22 Os- V-22 Osprey. Well, how are they? How do they know? <clears throat> Who gets to decide that? How do they get to decide? Yeah. Come on. That makes no sense. In the section declaring one's disabilities, responses range from claiming to be illiterate to lamenting, my country is run by communists. That's what's listed as a disability. (laughs) (laughs) Or even declaring that identifying as transgender is a disability in itself due to the inability to come to terms with biological reality. Ooh, that's fascism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) One respondent claimed to identify as a gift card (laughs) as their gender. Under racial and ethnic identities, they said, I'm an ethnic gift card. And for disability, the answer was, I don't have enough gift cards. Yes. Yes. More of this. As Okay. It's like. They think that their responses are ridiculous as if the questions aren't ridiculous. Yeah. Like ridiculous questions deserve ridiculous answers. It's it's true. You know? Ask ridiculous questions, get ridiculous prizes, as they say. And they sit there thinking that they're somehow superior. They asked around the found out. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That's right. Uh, Let's see. Other responses to questions. AAFO. I went through here to cut out all of the fluff and the entire piece is just glorious like this the yep. whole time. Other responses to questions. Oh, keep going. <clears throat> other responses to questions about identity rejected the researchers project entirely with answers such as quote, my skin color is not important. That's fascism. Come on, man. These questions are stupid. Everyone is a grab bag of genetics from all over the world. That's fascism. And what else do you want to know? What I ate for breakfast? This question is unnecessary. How many times have you gone to the bathroom in your (laughs) life? (laughs) Quote, online memes associated with white nationalists and fascist movements were present throughout the data. So memes associated with white nationalists and fascists, it was probably those Pepe the Frog memes or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's what I'm betting. Uh, Were present throughout the data alongside memes and content referencing gaming and nerd culture. The researchers further claimed the research team declared that the mockery they received. See, this is where it gets serious. They declared that the mockery they received had a profound impact on morale and mental health, particularly for one transgender researcher who was already in therapy for anxiety and depression regarding online anti-trans rhetoric. Mm. Um, Mm -mm -mm. You know, if you're, if you have to go to therapy because you see too much online anti-trans rhetoric and it's creating such a big problem in your life, I would recommend stop going online. <laughs> go outside and touch grass. Yeah. Because you know what? The algorithms found out what you were looking at and they're going to keep feeding it to you. All right. So just also if imagine- that's where your problem's from, stop. Imagine asking questions and then you don't like you don't get the responses that you expect. So this is really a matter of like unmet expectations, mm-hmm. which are your fault. They are for having the expectations. 
You should send out questions and be curious to know what the answers are. That's what questions are for. Yep. Not to get a specific answer and then you have anxiety. Well, okay. You have anxiety about it. You know, (laughs) because they act like that they already know the answers. And so when they get things that they don't expect, then they have to shift the focus from being like, from being curious about why they would get responses like that to automatically deeming them as unacceptable, fascist, Mm -hmm. racist. That's why they come up with all these, just these instant attacks on you personally as a person rather than trying to argue the ideas. It's also, if you thought their questions were dumb, you're a fascist. You're shut down at that point. Right. You know, and um, they shift the study to that, like what you're saying, because they couldn't just put, well, a large portion of the respondents... Uh, thought that this was unnecessary. You know, they couldn't. They couldn't do that in their study, and um, it's it's sad what happened because the uh, paper claimed that managing the study's data collection caused significant personal distress, and time had to be taken off the project to heal from traumatic harm of having to read students' responses in the survey. Stop reading them. <laughs> yeah. Um, these people, you know what, they, they need to, let's just say it in the way that my, uh, my mom would say it. They need to grow a spine, all right? They need to get a backbone and get over it. People said mean things, and you don't like it, and it, it damaged your fragile little worldview bubble that you've been living in, mm-hmm. okay? I'm sorry that them having different opinions than you is happening to you right now. They have a fix for this, though, Nate. Oh, <laughs> don't... They got the sco- a fix for this. The next, the, the scholars concluded that malicious responses indicate that fascism has become a common ideology in engineering and computer science academia. They suggested the counter response should be social justice STEM education or STEM. <laughs> that includes, quote, perspectives on online hate, radicalization, and center anti colonial intersectional solidarity organizing as its opposition. So now part of your STEM degree, folks, part of, before you can get a degree in science, technology, uh, engineering, or mathematics, you also have to be schooled in social justice, learning about how your participation in online hate radicalization and your anti-colonial intersectional solidarity... <laughs> is oppressing people. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you can't do math. You see this, because if you don't, if you don't understand that, if you don't get how math is racist, how can you get a math degree? True. (laughs) This is kind of sad because this is one of the areas of academia that hasn't been completely destroyed yet by mm -hmm, all of this woke BS. And now they're coming in and saying, Oh, we see that people had, sarcastic responses to our woke BS survey that we gave them. So therefore what we need is a social justice STEM education, just like what we talked about with the woke California math. You know, we need to go in there and teach them how engineering has had disproportionate impacts on indigenous people or something like that. And, uh, and, and then you'll be able to get your STEM degree. Their answer is like, we don't (laughs) like what we're seeing. So our, our solution is to indoctrinate people to believe the way that we believe 
because we don't like their answers. Uh, they, <sighs> they claim their research methods used anti-fascist and trans-queer methodologies that transform the raw data. It's like a scientific methodology. Mm, yeah. It's part of the scientific method. To make effective interventions and transformations to our programs and institutions, they described anti-fascism in particular as a framework that connects contemporary fascist movements to the foundation of the U.S. as a racial project, noting elsewhere that white supremacy remains ubiquitous in the United States. Yeah, you can just say that. I guarantee you it's because people use that freaking Pepe meme, that mm. frog somewhere. It's going to be about a frog. Mm -hmm. And the frog's gay. It's, well, it's the only non-gay frog. It was immune oh. to atrazine. That's right. It didn't get turned gay, you know. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know. That's uh, it's, People need to live their own lives, and that includes frogs. Okay, I just want to be clear about this. Just reading, like, oh, this is just so mm. infuriating. So the thing that, remember, we were talking last night. You watched that, uh... The Barbie review. We have well, not but seen hang on. Barbie. Like, let yeah. finish this real quick oh. because you, you well, okay. You so it says important. here, saying the solution for the rise of fascism is to change education itself. The team wrote, and see, this is what they've been doing, right? We knew that it was going to be a slippery slope, and all the all the like real academics have come out and spoke out about this that have lost their jobs, etc. This is the this has been the goal the whole time, right? They. They want to, first of all, if they, if they disagree with you, they label it as something that uh, they can link back to Hitler and the Nazis and Jews, right? So they'll call whatever it is fascist. Mm -hmm. They don't agree with you. And then they tell you exactly what they're going to do with some fancy words as to make it seem like they're the smart ones that, are, that need to re-educate people. So they said, the team wrote, quote, the university at its most ideal, can be envisioned as a central site for revolutionary struggle. <laughs> a site where we can work to educate for critical consciousness using a pedigy of liberation. That they'll, They're telling you exactly, like these are indoctrination camps for revolution. That you pay a bunch of money to go to. you pay a bunch of yeah. money to go to where we will retrain your brain, we will manipulate you into thinking the way that we do and believing all the lies that we tell. If they destroy the STEM fields, you know, like they've destroyed essentially everything else, that's it's really bad. Exactly, Copperhead. It's word salad. It is. None of those it's, things meant anything. It's literally word salad. What you're left after the sentence that Charlie just read is trying to figure out what the heck he just said. And while you are sitting there looking confused, the person who just said it to you feels amazing. Yeah. Because you are confused. And it's your fault that you're confused and that you're not as smart as they are said all while they were talking right. about this. Okay. And then you say, hey, can you clarify that for me? Like, I've explained that to you. Why don't you come join my class? And then you'll <laughs> learn something. Yeah. What, uh, this is something we talked about last night uh, with that Barbie movie and... Uh, with a lot of things going on right now, I think people are so hungry for some type of meaning and purpose in their lives that they're creating these str these struggles. Like, listen, if Ben Shapiro's review of the Barbie movie is true, <clears throat> then it is presenting a completely false narrative of the struggle that women are going through in America at the moment to a bunch of children that are going to see the movie. And, and not that there aren't struggles, not that everything's perfect. 
but for instance, not the, that uh, some men don't oppress women. Yeah, because that does happen, and we, some women oppress men. We all know that as oppressors. Like we can tell you, okay. <laughs> What I think is happening is people are just hungry for some type of meaning, and they've seen, they've looked up to people, uh, like people in the civil rights movement and the women's suffrage movement, and they don't have anything to fight for right now because they don't have the proper principles of like self-ownership and individualism. They could be fighting for that if they wanted to actually be fighting the true revolutionary struggle. They could be fighting for individual rights, uh, but instead they want to pretend like they're still fighting through the women's suffrage movement because it makes them feel important. And so they, they drill down on every single little thing, keep fighting. And same thing with like people who still want to be in the civil rights movement. Uh, very, there are valid things that still happen, but we're not still living in the 60s right now. We're not living in the 1860s right now either. Uh, but I think people have looked up to those folks the, their entire lives and they want to be the next generation even if there's nothing like that going on right now, they'll make it up. They'll act like it's going on. They'll, they'll cosplay the movement uh, so they can feel important about themselves. And um, that's slightly dangerous. It's not great. Well, and if his, if, if his review is correct, in which the movie essentially asserts that women and men are better off alone and separated from each other because they cannot get along because they see the world so differently, that is so dangerous. Yeah. We are much better off together. Yeah. Like men and women have different skills and they are very different. But when you bring them together as a team, like you can create something like the, where you can navigate through the world and solve like really serious problems together mm -hmm. because men and women's solutions are going to be different, but together they <clears> make like a wholesome solution that benefits everyone. And so the, the whole idea of the movie if that's what it's about is completely antithetical to what creates the greatest societies you it's, know and this is what like so to me this is why jordan peterson has been so important in this discussion right he's been calling this out for years the, the fact that we see this world as a, a patriarchy and men and women have struggled in this power grab and that the whole history of humankind is men oppressing women to view it from that lens creates dangerous separation. And I'm not saying that as a man, you know, saying that, well, I'm lonely and I, I deserve to have a woman. I'm not saying that <laughs> at all. What I'm saying is, is that you have the chances of becoming a human being are so slim, like one in 420 trillion chance of becoming a human being. Um, that if we pit men and women against each other, rather than, us cooperating and we view history as men and women against each other instead of cooperating, then all we do is just create the destruction of human beings as we know it. That's what eventually what it leads to, because if women are separate over here in their little gossip pod and men are <laughs> separated over here in their, you know, I don't know, woods pod or whatever they're <laughs> out fishing or something. So, it, there, then there's no babies created. Your initial idea was that women were over here gossiping and men are out here fishing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's what your brain first went to. And you're, I'm trying to make a joke yeah, yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I know. I'm no. trying to continue to joke. Yeah. <laughs> right now. But, uh, but I think, I think that that's, a, you know, this is really one of the biggest struggles culturally, I think. Um, and I think men have a lot to learn and I think women have a lot to learn. And how we, and I think you're right, without purpose, we kind of move into these, you know, silos 
where we where we think we're trying to solve a, a big problem um, that doesn't actually exist in the way we think it exists. Well, you know, it might be a problem, but it's not a problem on the scale of it's not a macro his, problem. History's problems or ma- or at a macro level, yeah. right? <clears throat> um, generally, mm-hmm. most men don't oppress women. Most of them, yeah, right. There are some that do, and that's a problem. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and vice versa. I mean, you know, you can say the same thing. So I think this culture thing is really important to get to politics and policy and how the direction that we want to move a country, uh, to be free. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the actual answer is, but I do think that we need to keep communicating with each other about these ideas and not just say, well, you're wrong, so I'm not listening to you. I think we should hear each other out and try to, and try to actually solve the problem. I think that uh, the number one thing we can do is stick to the truth in all of these scenarios. You know, we talk about people, I was talking about people wanting to, uh, to cosplay their civil rights movement or the women's suffrage movement or whatever it is, and we have to stick to the truth and not feed into it and not let that keep growing and growing. It can grow and grow, but don't be a part of it. Like you take responsibility for what you need to do. Mm. Um, Charlie, before I know, let me need- read the last part <clears throat> here though. Oh, I'm not even, cause on they right say, now. okay. They say here, um, it was suggested the plight of transgender citizens be used as a teachable example of experiences with power and oppression that the categories such as race, gender, and sexuality have roots in European colonial logics shared by fascist movements. Engineering in particular, they've got to infiltrate, okay? (laughs) They argued is a critical field to teach their far-left ideology because such graduates frequently work in fields such as fossil fuels, defense, construction, and technology upon graduation and could be taught about these fields' relationships with national and global racial capitalism and ongoing apartheid in Palestine <laughs> as an example. We could teach these engineering students mm-hmm. that all of these, that capitalism and the Jews are a problem. <laughs> and because right now they're fascist. Because right now they're fascist. <laughs> you see how none of that makes any sense? Like... These fascists aren't mad enough at the Jews. They don't support <laughs> Palestine enough. Fix this problem. <laughs> you know, that's a quote, by the way, uh, a literal quote. It's in there from what this team said. That's what happens when you get in the word salad some, and then it gets typed out. Some of your words don't make sense. Hmm. You know, that's, yeah. the, that's the way it works out. Um, Charlie, if it's someone's first time listening to Good Morning Liberty, or they could be listening on the radio, Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network, where would you tell them to go to, f- to find more of our things that we have? GoodMorningLiberty.us. That is a place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not my first choice, but that is a website. GodHatesFeds.com. There's one also. Okay. JoinGML.com. There's one too. Yeah. Okay. What's another one? BernieLies.com is a good one, actually. It brings up our link page. That's a good one. So it's a BernieLies.com. That's a place. That's also a place. On the internet. And uh, mainly the point here is that we 
have a lot of URLs. And uh, we think that you should know about them. <laughs> How many URLs do you guys have out there? Write yeah. into us at charlie at goodmorningliberty.us <laughs> and let us know. Go to lizlies.com if you want to check out how uh i don't remember what that one points to anymore um what's i don't know what another one we have is. i don't know the satellite you know it the satellites align and mm -hmm. you know it, it just brings you and to a liberty loving it just place does it yeah. mm -hmm. all that's right that's right all right y'all if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with a friend a family member or anyone, for that matter. It doesn't matter. That's a free way that you can support us. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Another free way to support us. But if you have a little bit of coin and it's burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah. Digital coin. Mm -hmm. you know, it could then, be Dash coin, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what it could be. But you can go to joingml.com or godhatesfeds.com. And there you can join the Fed Haters Club. And um, inside... That's Fed Haters Club, by the way. Not Fed Hitters Club. Because some people Fed join that, and now the IRS haters. is too scared to go to their houses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's the Fed haters. Yeah. Yeah, and we believe in hate, spe hate speech against the Feds. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> that's freedom of speech still. Mm -hmm. All right. So the Fed Haters Club, go join. Join gmail.com or godhatesfeds.com. Pick yourself up a t-shirt. That's if you've got that coin. Uh, we're not going to come to your house and forcefully take it from you, even mm -hmm. though we think we deserve it. Yeah. We believe. In, More than you. <laughs> we believe <laughs> that that's not what you should do. So uh, go do that. And if you do all of it, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>